to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Happy Halloween! I want to know what you're doing today to celebrate. That's what I want to know. Leave a comment on my latest Instagram post and tell me what you're doing, because I actually want to know. My Halloween plans, well... I'm recording this ahead of time, so maybe they'll magically change. But my Halloween plans include watching all the Halloween Town movies and eating the sugar-free pumpkin fudge on my website. If you haven't made that recipe, highly recommend that or the pumpkin fudge brownies or the sugar-free pumpkin bars. Honestly, one of those. That's the move. Just because it's Halloween doesn't mean you have to go crazy with sugar. Although, if you do, you know, the social aspect of life is an, an important part of health. So, you do you. You enjoy your Halloween. Anywho, I don't have a scary episode for you today. So, sorry, not on theme, but the show must go on. I'm super excited for you to hear today's podcast with my friend Tommy Clark. Tommy is so impressive. He is a nutrition coach for athletes. He is currently in college. He's 19 years old and he's in college. He has a killer nutrition coaching business. Like, I'm so impressed with him. He's a former college athlete. So, you know, he has plenty of experience with this. In his own life, and even though he's young, he is so knowledgeable. I've talked to plenty of nutrition coaches who specialize in athletics who are much older than him and honestly don't know what they're talking about, and he knows his stuff. I feel like he also just has a better perspective because he's in it, like he's in college. He knows what it's like to talk to college athletes and relate to them because he is also that age. And I'm just so impressed by everything he's doing at 19. I mean, I had my business going at 19 too, but I feel like he just has his shit together a lot more than me. He puts out killer content. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at tclarknutrition. And he also, in addition to having his nutrition coaching business and studying to get his BS in dietetics, He's also a podcast host. He has a podcast called the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast, and I was a guest on his show a while back, so if you haven't heard that, that was episode 101 on his podcast, so make sure you check that one out. But this was a really fun chat. We recorded this a couple months ago when he was in town for an event that Jason Phillips was throwing, and... I went to that event, and then Tommy and I podcasted afterwards. It was a lot of fun, and you will learn a lot. I love that he focuses on athletes in particular. This is something that I haven't talked about that much on this podcast, so if you are an athlete or know an athlete, I'm sure a lot of this would be really helpful for you. I also feel like uh, this will be applicable just to a lot of guys in general, I mean, and women, But we talk a bit about how people train like they're athletes when they're not and just how the general population should take some of these pieces of advice into consideration so they don't wear their bodies down. But if you're interested in, even if you're not an athlete, but you're interested in your performance, this will have some very helpful tips. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, here is Tommy Clark. So... How old are you? I'm 19. Wow. And what are you doing with your life right now? So I'm building a nutrition coaching business. Mm -hmm. I'm also a student, so I'm studying to get a 
degree in dietetics and probably get a master's, maybe an RD. Mm -hmm. But right now I'm building a nutrition coaching business. And when did you start? So it's been just over a year since I got certified. Mm -hmm. I would say it was more of a side hobby at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Coaching wise, I would say it's coming up on a year. Okay. What got you into it? So I used to play basketball. Uh That was really like my life for a solid probably over a decade uh-huh. and I was playing at the college level growing up I was kind of like your standard unathletic white guy that stood in the corner and shot threes could mm-hmm. not jump not super fast like none of that mm-hmm. um and I was fine I mean like it got me through high school I was good enough at shooting that it got me to be able to play in college mm-hmm. but once I got to college it was kind of like okay this isn't gonna cut it anymore yeah. everyone's like a freak athlete at this level and yeah. I was like what's like what do I do now because up until that point, I had been in the gym like every single day, multiple times per day, like hours on end. Uh-huh. And I just didn't know where to go from there. I was like watching film, watching like scouring YouTube, like watching everything I could, like as far as skills and whatever. Uh-huh. So I didn't really know what that next, like what was missing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was doing everything I should have been doing. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of where nutrition came into play. I was just on this like random forum and someone mentioned. Um, what forum? Like Reddit? No, like it was from a, like a, a basketball training program okay. I got. So it was like one of those like private members forums or yeah. whatever. And there was like a conversation about nutrition. And I was like, huh, I haven't done that before. I haven't <laughs> kind of looked into that. I mean, I ate okay, uh-huh. um, but definitely not paying attention to it to the degree that I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really common thing among athletes. We can get into that. But mm-hmm. um, then I kind of started diving down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. and... When I first got started, I probably did what was the worst possible thing I could have done for my nutrition as an athlete, even though, the, even though I thought it was the best thing ever. What was that? Um, so it was actually, it was a paleo diet. And oh, you're going to go there. No, in principle, <laughs> in principle, like I just want to preface this by saying that the paleo diet is very sound and like for, mm-hmm. for most people, it's a really good approach, mm-hmm. but you know, inherently cuts out a lot of carbs mm-hmm. and it makes it very difficult Were to get Were you going like low carb paleo? I don't know what I don't know what I was doing. I just like kind of. What were you eating? Um, meat, meat and vegetables essentially, and were maybe like a sweet potato here. Oh, so here and there. you were super low carb. Pretty low carb, okay. yeah. And I didn't realize it. Like yeah. this is like when I was first getting into yeah, it. No one does. Um, yeah, and then I dropped like twenty one pounds in like a month yeah. during the middle of my basketball season. I was like, "Aren't you hungry?" Oddly enough, no. Oh, really? No. Like, do, while, while I was doing it, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like, I was super interested in it. Mm-hmm. I was, like, listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. re- like, reading books for the first time since, like, second grade, like, mm-hmm. just on my own will. Mm-hmm. Um, what and got it, you into paleo? Like, what were you, who are you reading? So, on that, like, random forum, someone uh-huh. had recommended the book, Paleo Diet for Athletes. Oh, I never even heard of that. Yeah, I... The title, I mean, doesn't really make that much sense, like, if you think about it. <laughs> like, and I was reading it, and, you know, like, with diet books, they mm-hmm. make it sound like the best thing ever. I was yeah. like, oh, dude, this is it. Like, yeah. this is this is the solution. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that's going to help take my performance to the next level. So I was all in. And that was really the only thing I read. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening to podcasts and, and like, following a bunch of people on Instagram. And I got, mm-hmm. like, really into it, started geeking out about it. Mm-hmm. So even though I was going through this process and I dropped 21 pounds, I literally could jump even less than I could before. And that's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling lightheaded at the end of practice. I was like, okay, something's probably not right here. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, I don't know, I can't really connect this to like what I was doing, but I actually got pneumonia that, that winter. Mm. and like thinking about it maybe the i was under eating a lot it's a lot of stress mm-hmm. i was in minnesota so it's pretty much freezing all the time yeah so maybe that maybe that contributed contributed to it um but well, long story had you, short had you cut out a lot of processed foods yeah so your immune system was finally able to like be active slash uh, under eating yeah. a lot of people find it's really interesting when they switch or they clean up their diet yeah. and they get sick and okay. it's because your immune system has been like, you know, on yeah. high alert because yeah. it's like dealing with all these inflammatory foods and then finally giving it unprocessed foods. And it's like, oh, I can handle this. I don't have to fight against that anymore. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, 
I have a chance to fight whatever I actually need to fight. And that's often when people get sick. So I'm sure taking out inflammatory foods plus what you were saying, like under eating, the stress, cold, like now it's going to hit sure. you. For sure. Yeah. And then from there, um, I was still like kind of just watching random YouTube videos, listen, listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. reading books. And I actually came across Jason's video that he did, that he did with the Mind Pump guys mm-hmm. about like why paleo sucks for CrossFitters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh that's an interesting title let me watch mm-hmm. it and then it kind of made sense like why like obviously like why carbs are very important for athletic performance mm-hmm. and that's why like going back to like how i was prefacing that i mm-hmm. think paleo is a very sound approach mm-hmm. um i think for athletes it's still a good framework you just got to make sure you're eating enough carbs mm-hmm. and the guidelines of the sort of approach make it very difficult to do that mm-hmm. so adding in like grains like rice and mm-hmm. oats and things like that mm-hmm along with the paleo style approach was kind of what allowed me to get out of that hole mm-hmm. and put the weight back on, gain a little bit more quality weight, mm-hmm. gain strength and kind of start feeling good. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led me into, Oh wow, this is really cool. I feel good. Mm-hmm. I want to help other people do this. And mm-hmm. that kind of got that, um, yeah. cascade of events going to get me into actually coaching people. Yeah. I think that's why it's really important to talk about who the audience is, right? Like, so for you, if you're super active, that's very different than, you know, a lot of the people that I work with. For example, I have a lot of women who have like chronic health conditions, autoimmune diseases, and they're not working out for five hours a day, right? So it's like totally different. And for someone like you, you don't have any serious chronic health conditions underlying. So like adding in like grains and oat, it's not gonna be an assault to your system. For sure. So what is your what are your thoughts on um you know a lot of people say keto's great for athletes. You can definitely make gains on keto. If you think about it, it just physiologically doesn't make any sense Why? for the vast majority of sports. Mm-hmm. Like for very long-term endurance activities, mm-hmm. if you're actually staying aerobic mm-hmm. and in that sort of energy system, then Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. you can use fat for fuel, Mm -hmm. but for most competitive athletes, Mm -hmm. you're probably going glycolytic, which means you're burning carbohydrates for fuel. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to perform at high intensities using fat as fuel, you're just really leaving a lot of performance on the table there. So Mm -hmm. it really doesn't make a lot of sense to go with a low carb approach Mm -hmm. to fuel a high intensity activity. Now, if you're going for a long walk and you're not like, you're not going crazy in the gym or you're going out for a really long run at a low intensity. Mm -hmm. Cool. Then there's application for a lower fat approach Mm -hmm. or a lower carb approach. Mm -hmm. But like, let's say like I was a basketball player and we all know how that went for me Mm -hmm. going lower carb and it carries over to a lot of team sports or things like CrossFit or really any high intensity modality. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, with carbohydrates, your body's able to use them a lot more quickly. There's mm-hmm. not as much of a, a like a, a delay between when you need them and when you actually use them. Mm-hmm. And with fat, there's a, a bit more of a delay because mm-hmm. the thing is like, let's say I'm doing a bicep curl. My bicep is using the carbohydrates, the glycogen that is stored in my bicep. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm doing a bicep curl and... I'm using fat. I could be using fat from like my calf Mm. and it takes time to get mobilized and get in there and actually Mm -hmm. get used. Mm -hmm. So if you need during high intensity activity, you need that energy right then and there. And Mm -hmm. if you're relying on a fuel source that doesn't allow for that to happen, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to produce energy when you don't produce energy. That's one of the ways that you get tired Mm -hmm. and you're not going to perform well. Yeah. I think it's, there's been a mismatch where we think about like where keto was really useful. Like obviously like neurological conditions and, you know, seizures, epilepsy, um, all of that. And then also where it really was shining was in Silicon Valley when, you know, people are on their computers all day and just completely sedentary. And that's how a lot of those guys dropped weight. Um, And that's why, you know, what you're talking about, I think is important to bring up. Like if you're super athletic, like you need a different form of energy than someone who's sitting on their computer 12 hours a day. Um, And also I'm sure like an age too, you know, like I feel like, especially if you're like a younger athlete, like in your twenties or thirties, like that's going to, you need some more fuel. So how do you help someone figure out how many carbs they should be eating? So typically there's like a combination of ways. So the first thing I'll have someone do, or one of the first things I'll have someone do when they come on with me as a client is track their food intake for at least three days. Mm -hmm. The more data, the better. So anywhere between three to seven days Mm -hmm. that kind of gives us a baseline starting point. Cause 
along with that, I do like plug their age, height, weight, all that good stuff, their activity level into a calculator just to get like a rough estimate of what we should be looking at as their ideal amount for like calories in each of the three macros, including carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what you see is a mismatch there. Mm-hmm. Like the like based on what like what they should be eating mm-hmm. is very different from what they're eating right now. Mm-hmm. And if there's like a thousand calorie gap between those two things and I come in and say, okay, we're going to increase your calories by a thousand. One, that's going to be super uncomfortable. Adherence is going to suck and they're not going to stick to it in the long term. Yeah. And two, you're probably going to lead to some excess fat gain mm-hmm. um, in that process of mm-hmm. rapidly increasing calories. Um, now for an athlete who's ultra active and just like training six, seven times a week, maybe like multiple times per day, we have a lot more freedom to go up more quickly. So maybe mm-hmm. instead of reverse dieting someone for several weeks or several months, it might only take a couple weeks to get you up that much. Mm-hmm. But it, that that's where individualization is very important. But to answer your question, just track your food for a mm-hmm. couple of days, see where you're at, see where you should be at, and then that will guide like where you need to go from there. But how are you figuring out where you should be at? So you track someone, right? Yeah. And let's say they're eating like, I don't know, 100 grams of carbs. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. For sure. So typically, um, when building someone's macro prescription, mm-hmm. like with, like obviously carbohydrates are included in that, mm-hmm. I take care of protein and fat first. Mm-hmm. Um, so protein typically around one gram per pound. Again, this is super individual, but just mm-hmm. has a rough baseline. One gram per pound mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a very active individual looking to perform better or get stronger, fat, you're probably going to want to have somewhere in the, 25 to 30% range. Mm-hmm. And then once you have those taken care of, then the rest just gets allotted to carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So there's no like real specific percentage or like grams per pound mm-hmm. goal that I okay. I go off of. So it's more left so over. just yeah, whatever's left over because okay. um protein and fat are two essential nutrients, mm-hmm. so I'll just take care of those first mm-hmm. and then fill out the rest from carbs. If we need to increase calories, then each week we'll just add carbs in there until we get you where you want to be. Okay. So a few questions. Yeah, so with sure. the fat, is there a reason why like I know you, you do it there so you're covering covering what's essential. You're yeah. getting your fat intake. Um but why do you keep it there? Is it just because you want to get as many carbs in for performance? For sure, yeah. So that's where um yeah, with fat, 25 to 30% is, like, enough to cover just, like, hormonal health mm-hmm. and neurological health and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. if you cut it too low, then your health is just going to go to crap and yeah. you're not going to perform well, even no matter how many carbs you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, typically with that, I don't like taking people below 25. Mm-hmm. If you really have to, 20% could probably be doable, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, like you said the reason why I do that and don't go up higher is Mm -hmm. to just leave as much room for carbohydrates as possible. Mm -hmm. And on that same topic, it's very important not to overeat protein as well. Why is that? Um, Again, to leave room for carbohydrates Mm. because at a certain point, you're not going to get any more benefit from like just piling on the protein. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, everyone like athletes, gen pop, Mm -hmm. whoever like thinking you eat insane amounts of protein. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like I said, one gram per pound is fine. You could probably get away with less than that Mm -hmm. and be totally fine as well. Um, but and, okay, yeah. I just want to like preface so people understand when they're listening. So, are you you're talking about just kind of like in general with your clients or like performance athletes specifically? This is mainly performance. Okay. So yeah, in terms of performance, mm-hmm. the goal, and this is where like I'm really big on periodizing your nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like you you periodize your training. You have different phases with your training. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Not many people or not many athletes are familiar with periodizing your nutrition. A lot of them are like, oh, I eat healthy. Yeah. But there's no like set structure there. Yeah. Because like, like you said, um, like there are benefits to going higher fat. Yeah. And just because higher carb is going to fuel your performance doesn't mean that you should be eating high carb year round uh-huh. for the rest of your career because mm-hmm. your insulin sensitivity is going to go to crap. Mm-hmm you're probably going to feel lethargic and it, your body's not going to be as able to use the carbs as effectively. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of weave in and out of these different phases to be able to do that properly. Yeah. Wait, so tell me more about that. How do you periodize someone's nutrition? So I learned this from Jason mm-hmm. uh, in like his NCI, sir. He, he breaks this down really well, but there's four main phases that you're going to go through throughout your year. Mm-hmm. And you could scale this up and down on, honestly, on like a weekly scale or all mm-hmm. the way like for like Olympic athletes, 
on a four-year scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's four main phases. So in-season, post-season, off-season, and pre-season. Mm-hmm. Um, which if there's any athletes listening to this, does all sound familiar? Nothing, nothing crazy there. In-season, like number one priority, performance. We don't really care if we're jacking carbs way up and maybe it might take a little bit of a toll on your insulin sensitivity, but it's what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. Our goal right now is to perform. Your mm-hmm. goal is not overall health. Mm-hmm. So in season, main focus is performance. Your plan is going to support that. Mm-hmm. Post season is when we recover from that because mm-hmm. during the in season phase, you're going through a lot of stress mm-hmm. and your prescription might not be conducive to overall health. Mm-hmm. So we got to take time afterwards to recover from that and get you healthy. Mm-hmm. Because if you're constantly pushing for performance, your health's going to go to crap and you're not going to be able to f- perform anymore because you have health issues. Mm-hmm. So that postseason phase is that recovery phase to kind of um, just chill out, relax, let your body recover. So then that moves us into the off-season phase, which is where there's a lot of gray area and freedom to mm-hmm. really do whatever you want there. Mm-hmm. Like for most athletes, if you want to get lean, mm-hmm. now would be the time to do it mm-hmm. because you don't have anything to compete in. So yeah. cool, go into a calorie deficit. It's okay if your performance suffers because there's nothing to really perform for. Yeah. Um, but that's really up to the athlete. Do you mm-hmm. want to get lean? Do you want to get stronger? Um, do you want to just focus on skill development, whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the off season. And then preseason is just kind of a transition phase from mm-hmm. off season back into mm-hmm. the in season phase. Mm-hmm. And the way Jason teaches this and describes it, it can really be applied to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how it would be applied in like the athlete scenario. What, what, so what are you doing with the nutrition at those different times? So more carbs like in season and then post season, what are you adjusting? Yeah. So you you get it on the head, like during the, during in season phase, carbs go Mm -hmm. way up. Uh, protein stays pretty moderate. Like we Mm -hmm. talked about and fats pretty moderate, not too high, not too low. Um, during the, the post season phase, carbs would drop down to restore insulin sensitivity and kind of take care of things on that front. Um, fat would go up to restore Mm -hmm. hormonal health and kind of make sure things are all good there. Mm -hmm. And then just a real emphasis on food quality Mm -hmm. because during the in-season phase, it's just like, dude, let's get the calories in however we can. Because speaking from experience, like it's very, very hard to maintain your weight over the course of like a a long season, like especially team sport athletes. Mm -hmm. Like no matter, even even when I was tracking, like Mm -hmm. the last kind of year I was playing, I was tracking on top of my nutrition and stuff like that. I still managed to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I was eating like over 4,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. So like, um, how many carbs are you eating? Five fifty. Holy shit. Yeah. How, what, what, what were your carb sources? White rice was my go-to. So okay. honestly, my food quality was pretty good because oh. I've like dealt with some gut health issues. So mm-hmm. like I was careful to like at least minimize that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for me, the way I feel on like, mm-hmm quality foods is just a lot better than fitting like pop tarts and oreos into my macros even though people promote that which that's a whole different rant Mm -hmm. that we can go on Mm -hmm. but yeah okay okay so and then okay so postseason fats going up a little bit Mm -hmm. carbs are going down um what's happening next Next phase so in the off season like i said there's a lot of freedom there Mm -hmm. so that's a that could be a really just long-winded answer Mm -hmm. um it really depends on what you're doing Okay. So if you're going into, if you're trying to get lean, you go into a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're trying to gain muscle, go into a calorie surplus. If you're trying to just kind of chill out, maintain, mm-hmm. maybe just focus on your skills, mm-hmm. maintenance, maybe a slight surplus. Okay. So if someone's trying to get lean during that time, yeah. do you have a preferred macro ratio or do you just go with whatever is best for adherence to the deficit? A little bit of both. Okay. So ideally, um, now it depends on who we're talking about. Like mm-hmm. if we're still talking about the the athlete mm-hmm. in the in like their true off season phase, then um, protein would probably go up a little bit mm-hmm. just because in a deficit, protein going up would help to spare as much mm-hmm. muscle mass as possible as as possible mm-hmm. um, during that deficit. Um, fat would likely sit around that thirty percent mm-hmm. um, that we talked about before, mm-hmm. and then the the deficit would come through carbs Mm -hmm. Um, so what's the reason i bring this up is like i realize now as i talk about this um i feel like i'm in the middle of a bunch of different spaces you know like a lot of my audience i'm like very in the paleo like chronic illness space but i'm also very much because i know all you guys like 
very well aware of like kind of the other side of things mm-hmm. and like also what I've been doing like with Jeremiah has been fun because it's so different than what I'm used to and yeah. there's um this belief in the pillow space that if you eat carbs you can't get lean yeah <laughs> yeah and with, with that I mean at the you can kind of look at it like a pyramid mm-hmm. like at the base level of the pyramid is adherence because mm-hmm. really no matter what plan we build you if you can't stick to it mm-hmm. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um one step up above that like at the foundation of I would say this is foundation because adherence being the foundation is kind of common sense. But like mm-hmm. the foundation of the pyramid would be calories in versus calories out. Mm-hmm. If you're eating more calories than you're burning, mm-hmm. you're probably going to put on weight. Mm-hmm. So that could be through carbs. If you're eating all the salmon and almonds and avocados in the world mm-hmm. and a ton of healthy fats, cool. But if you're eating more calories than you're burning, you're going to put on weight. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the reverse direction. If you're eating less calories than you're burning, mm-hmm. you're, um, you're going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the way we kind of shift like where you're getting your macros from can influence what type of weight you gain and lose. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can definitely eat plenty of carbs while being in a calorie deficit Mm -hmm. and lose body fat. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's definitely some scenarios where that would be more beneficial to Mm -hmm. eat as many carbs as possible Mm -hmm. while you're in a calorie deficit to promote fat loss. Because like we've talked about, carbs are going to help you perform, Mm When you're performing better in your in your training sessions, when you're mm-hmm. lifting heavier weights, doing more total volume, mm-hmm. you're probably gonna um, maintain more muscle mass mm-hmm. because you're um, doing more volume mm-hmm. if you're able to recover from it. Mm-hmm. So that could be a way that like going relatively higher carb while still being in a deficit could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Also, just from an adherence perspective, mm-hmm. like sure, low carb can work really well in dropping weight relatively quickly. Um, but most people enjoy carbs mm-hmm. and most people are not going to want to cut those out forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to. And that goes back to kind of the adherence piece that we were talking about. If getting more carbs in there is going to allow you to stick to your diet mm-hmm. and actually stick to the deficit for as mm-hmm. long as is needed and, and not feel like you have to rebound. Cause sure. Some people are just really disciplined and can actually just go super low carb when they really don't want to and um, kind of stick it out. Mm-hmm. But what happens after that? Mm-hmm. there's usually a rebound and it's kind of this endless cycle. Whereas if you keep carbs a little higher, you can kind of mitigate some of that because you're still able to kind of fit in the foods that you enjoy. And look, if you enjoy lower carb and mm-hmm. you're fine with that, cool. Mm-hmm. That goes back to the adherence thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no issue with that. Um, but those are kind of the two main reasons where like having more carbs um, in a deficit, as long as you're in a deficit, because yeah, if you eat more carbs and you're in a surplus, mm-hmm. you're not going to lose fat. Um, but as long as you're in a deficit, you're good. Okay. This is my issue, like, uh, with the calories in, calories out thing. Yeah. So how do we explain when, and this is separate from performance, obviously, yeah. but just because it's on my mind. For sure. Um, how do we explain when I have a woman who's overweight and, you know, she's eating, let's say she's 50, eating 1,500 calories a day, and so she tries to diet, she tries to reduce her calories, she's now at 1,200, and then we bump her up to 1800 calories and she drops weight like that. Yep. Well, so first things first there, I think it's really important to say like, make sure you're actually eating 1500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of scenarios with the whole like metabolic adaptation and reverse dieting stuff mm-hmm. that we're talking about now. Um, where people just aren't tracking correctly and they mm-hmm. think they're like, Oh my God, I'm eating a thousand calories a day and I'm not, I'm not, uh, losing weight but they could be eating 1,500 or 1,800 or sometimes even Mm 2,000, like double the amount of calories they think they are. Um, So that would be first things first. But if it's actually um, like a case of you're under eating uh, for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and you increase calories and you see weight fall off, Mm -hmm. there's a couple reasons that could happen. Mm -hmm. One, you're giving yourself more calories, more energy, more fuel. So you're going to be able to push a little bit more in your training. Mm -hmm. So you're eating more calories, but that might lead you to burning more calories mm-hmm. in your training. So that might actually put you in a deficit, cause you to lose a couple pounds. What if they're not training? If they're not training, then that's a, probably a function of cortisol and chronic stress and under eating being a stressor. So when you give your body more calories, it's kind of like, thank God, finally. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll help like kind of lower cortisol levels and kind of get that the way it should be and kind of lead to maybe a drop in water weight um, or something like that. And that could lead to some weight loss as well. So then isn't that not really calories in calories out? Isn't that more back to the hormones explanation? This is where there's a real gray area. Mm -hmm. I think there's, 
I think this is where it's really important to understand that it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like some people say like, oh, well, the hormones influence the calories or the calories mm-hmm. influence the way the hormones act. Sure. Either way, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's just important to understand that they both work together mm-hmm. and they're not like mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people use the, oh, my hormones are screwed up excuse to like justify why they're not able to get the result they want to get. And in some cases that might actually be valid. Some people get tested and they realize, oh wow, my hormones are screwed up. But what's one of the way that we can fix that through your calorie prescription, through your food. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of get away from the one or the other, Mm -hmm. um, scenario and understand that they're both important, both work together. They're both related. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg scenario. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can't really say like, oh, hormones influence calories or calories influence hormones. They're kind of just both intertwined. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I like that answer. I think that's a good answer. Okay. Sorry. I veered off. But let's You're good. Get, let's get back to performance situation. So what are we doing um, preseason to prepare? Preseason is relatively simple. Um, it's kind of just, a tr- it's usually not very long, like maybe like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, could be even shorter depending on what sport you play um, or what sport you compete in. But typically, really where preseason is very, very important is if you were that person that got lean during the off season mm. and if you're eating lower calorie. Preseason is kind of when we're like, okay, we're done with that. We got to mm. ramp, ramp up the calories and make sure you, you're at a, in a good place going into the in-season phase. Mm. Um, so if, how, do you, how do you do that for people? How do they increase their calories without just putting on all the weight? slowly and in a uh, in a controlled way that's why we have a whole phase for it mm-hmm. instead of just being like like we we're talking about before like okay you're eating a thousand calories less than you should be let's just jump a thousand calories can you do that in an athlete scenario maybe yeah i think it would be fine it wouldn't be the end of the world but it would be really uncomfortable yeah and from a mental perspective um especially like for an athlete who has like body image issues and like thinks like oh my god i'm gonna put on weight i'm just going slowly and in a more controlled way can help mitigate any possibility of that and so over the course of the preseason phase typically just increasing by like 50 to 100 calories every week and that rate it's really a big it depends it just depends on how quickly you're comfortable with increasing if you're comfortable with potential weight gain because the reality is as an athlete like I don't care what you weigh. Mm-hmm. I care about how you're performing in the gym or on mm-hmm. the court or on the field. Like, I don't really care if you have a six pack. If you care, like if you're a coaching client and you care about having a six pack, then cool. We can try our best to make that happen. But as an athlete, you're signing up. Like, you know what you're signing up for and you got to be okay with that. And that's where having a coach is really helpful to kind of walk you through that mentally. Because in terms of the increase in the calories, practically it's very simple. Increase 50 to hundred calories, typically mm-hmm. through carbohydrates. Um, over the course of however long it takes to get you up to maintenance or in a slight surplus, but mentally is where it's tough. And, and that's where kind of understanding what your goals are is really important. Yeah. I think that like performance, nutrition and training, I think it's so fascinating because there's so many, like all these little nuances that you, Mm -hmm. that you can adjust. And I don't think people realize how much better off they would be if they had someone individually looking at them because I know a lot of athletes who like they're like yeah we have trainers like on the team and I'm like that's not the same thing as someone making it so customized to you and like there are so many cool things ways we can manipulate the body to work better um and I just think I just want to say that because I feel like so many people don't realize that they're just like or they'll look up online what to do and it's like, you know, even what you're explaining right now is super yeah. helpful for people, but that's very different than having so, like a coach holding you accountable, like individualizing everything for you because I'm sure like you're giving general outlines, but like, oh, it's as so you said, individual. yeah, it could totally depend on the person and like their lifestyle and their other stressors and everything else. Yeah. I hope you are learning a lot from this episode with Tommy. And when it comes to performance and athletics, one of the most important things to take into consideration is your sleep. If you are not getting enough sleep, you cannot perform to your best abilities and you also will not be able to recover as well as you could without it. Sleep is so important. I just saw Tommy post a video about this and I think he said that basketball players could increase their three point percentage by 9% or something like that. It was very interesting. But one of the easiest ways everyone can optimize their sleep is by wearing blue light blocking glasses at night. And a lot of the blue light blocking glasses out there are not blocking the full blue and green spectrum needed to get you maximum results. 
and really optimize your hormone production and get you that super deep sleep. And that is why I love blue blocks, blue light blocking glasses. These are the only 100% blue light blocking glasses backed by science out there. These are what you need after sunset. Their sleep plus red lenses are the ones to get. So all of those orange lenses, they are not blocking the full spectrum. Those red sleep plus lenses are amazing and I've made such a big difference on my sleep as has the Remedy Sleep Mask, which is a 100% light blocking sleep mask that can help increase your REM and deep sleep cycles. Your aura ring will show the difference. And then during the day, of course, you really do want blue light filtering lenses. So the blue light clear lens is great for people who have some natural light coming in, and this will help target the frequencies of light that cause migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain. And then their summer glow yellow lenses are blue light blocking glasses meets color therapy. So these are best for people who have intense artificial lighting in the areas that they work at and anyone who struggles with migraines, anxiety, or depression due to the seasonal changes. If you're not sure if you should get the Summer Glow or the Blue Light Clear Lens, just use the contact form on their website and explain your situation and what you do for a living and where you're working and one of the founders will answer that for you. I also love these blue light blocking glasses because they have so many different styles of frames so they don't look ugly. They have really cute styles and I get compliments on these glasses all the time. They have over 20 different frames to pick from and you can also send in your own frames if you have a pair of glasses that you want to turn into blue light blocking glasses. And they do have a custom-made prescription service available so if you have a prescription, they can make them into blue blocks for you. Plus, I love that Blue Blocks partners with Restoring Vision, so for every pair of Blue Blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gifts those reading glasses to someone in need. So if you want to help balance your hormones, have more energy during the day, have better, deeper sleep, less headaches, feel calmer, more relaxed, have less eye strain, feel happy, positive, balance out your hunger signals during the day. There are so many benefits. Then you definitely need to get these blue light blocking glasses. None of those orange lenses, they are not doing what they need to do. You need 100% science-backed glasses and the blue blocks are the answer. If you haven't already listened to episode 230 of this podcast with Blue Blocks founder Andy Mant, definitely check that out to hear all about the science behind these glasses. That's episode 230. And I know you are ready to get a pair of these. I have multiple pairs and I cannot live without them. Honestly, if I don't wear these after the sun goes down, my sleep sucks and my next day is not where it needs to be. I'm not productive. I can't focus. I'm tired and I cannot live without these. So if you want to get a pair, just go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my discount code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S will get you 15% off. Now that you know how to optimize your sleep, let's hop back into this conversation with Tommy Clark. Because you brought up, well, I'm curious, so do you find that a lot of the athletes that you work with have body image issues? Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think it's well, I'm not really sure because a lot of athletes don't communicate it. Okay. And like, I know, I mean, that's kind of what led me to kind of start dieting in the first place. Yeah, I wanted to perform better, but mm-hmm. I did want a six pack. I'd be lying if I said that wasn't part of the motivation. And I got it, but I was super skinny and not performing the way I wanted to perform. So mm-hmm. it came at a cost and that kind of drove that. Um but I think it's it's really common. It's just not talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, because you see, like, CrossFit Games athletes, they're jacked. Yeah. Like, they have, like, six-packs. Like, they look shredded. And everyone thinks that that's the standard of what you should look like as a high-performing athlete. When in reality, having a six-pack isn't going to win you your competition, isn't going to win you a basketball game, mm-hmm. isn't going to win you a CrossFit competition. I feel like CrossFit's a good example, too, though, because sometimes, like, the aesthetical you want, it's like like you can't perform your best or like like there are plenty of crossfit athletes who do look jacked and look great when there are plenty who look like puffy yeah and they perform fine yeah, yeah. you know and that's so for some of them they have to look that way to perform their for best sure. but i feel like the body image issues i was actually just 
talking to my friend Michael about this, I posted something on Instagram about um, like a sauna suit. Have you se- have you seen that? Like you wear them. Oh, like and for weight cuts for yeah, like fighters yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and I never seen one of those before. And he was like, he was like, we used to wear those in high school for like to make weight for Dude, wrestling. high school wrestling is like the most screwed up. Did you do it? That no, I didn't. But I've heard like horror stories. Yeah, he was just, and I was like, I've never talked to somebody about that before. That's very much not my world. And I, he started talking about it. I'm like, that's so fascinating. He was like yeah we used to do such fucked up shit to our bodies like and he's like no one talks about the body image issues and like the eating disorders that like men in in like different types of athletics have like a lot of them do and they just don't talk about it and so that's why i kind of wanted to ask you but i guess it's like no one's just talking about it yeah no one's really talking about it i think like because honestly in in my nutrition coaching like i'm mm-hmm. i don't really get too deep into like the that sort of stuff mm-hmm. if it comes up 100 percent, but i'm more of like a numbers guy I'm more of a like science driven guy mm-hmm. and if it comes up i think it's a really important conversation to have but people aren't really coming to me to do that stuff mm-hmm. if it comes up and like especially during that preseason phase typically mm-hmm. like when we're trying to increase calories mm-hmm. like i don't want to mm-hmm. then okay like what's going on yeah um but i think it's just something that's not talked about enough yeah. and i think it's it's a lot more common than people think. You see higher level athletes, like we're talking about the CrossFit athletes. Mm-hmm. Like you see like LeBron James, a dude's a monster. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why don't I look like that? Yeah. Because like, you're not a genetic freak. But I think it's really important to understand like the difference between like, yeah, if your goal's aesthetics, you want to get shredded. Cool. You can, I can do that. I can, I can help you do that. You're just not going to perform to the best of your ability. I can help you perform to the best of your ability, but you're probably not going to be shredded. You're not going to be fat. Like you're not going to like, gain a ton of weight but you're not going to be super super shredded yeah and you got to be okay with that yeah and along those lines like you can also get shredded but you're also not going to be potentially as healthy as you could be oh for sure you know and yeah. i think people forget about that too yeah um and they're like i feel like shit i'm like you think like people who do physique competitions don't Dude. feel like shit yeah those last couple of weeks are just hell for them like yeah i can't even imagine so i think it's i think sometimes it's hard for people to really nail down a goal like general like general population like because they're like i want to perform well i want to have abs i want to be healthy and that's where periodization yeah because nothing says you can have all of it maybe not all at once (laughs) exactly exactly you can have it all you you just can't do it all the same time yeah yeah that's where people go wrong yeah and that's where having a longer term view of what you're trying to do is really important because when it comes, especially gen pop, what's the next week going to look like? Mm-hmm. Most people are just trying to start a diet or yeah. whatever. They're not looking at, okay, what do the next two years look like? Yeah. They're looking at what the next week, what the next month, maybe the next six months, if there's like a vacation coming up that they're planning for, but they're not looking long term. So yeah. it's like, I want to do everything at once. When if you give yourself two years, sure, maybe you have a wedding coming up, you want to get lean for whatever mm-hmm. vacation or whatever you can, you can do that. And then, reverse diet get stronger Mm -hmm. focus on that goal maybe build some muscle hit prs in the gym feel good about that and then maybe have a phase where you're just kind of chilling out and focusing on overall health making Mm -hmm. sure everything's good there and kind of cycle back you can kind of use those same phases Mm -hmm. that we're talking about before and apply Mm -hmm. it to the general population to achieve all those different goals without like kind of shooting yourself in the foot and trying to do them all at the same time yeah and i think that's what a lot of people should do and i think there's a lot of people out there who train like they're athletes and they never take an off season do you know what i mean like i i feel like especially guys i feel like i know so many guys who like they train like they are like in a sport year round and they because they're not actually like in the sport they're not like taking a season off and then they run themselves into the ground do you see that a lot do people ever come like that to you like who aren't actually like in a sport sport but they're training like they are yeah i would say that happens a lot in crossfit athletes like recreational Uh, crossfit athletes because if you want you can compete every weekend probably and you just run yourself into the ground because there's no like set season there Mm -hmm. um so that's probably where it's most common Mm -hmm. i mean with like men's league pickup basketball players i mean Mm -hmm. it's probably not as common because you're not gonna push yourself as hard Mm -hmm. um but in general like lack of recovery is super super important to talk about because Mm -hmm. a lot of people think like whether you're an elite athlete or just a weekend warrior, like mm-hmm. you think you have to work out every single day, train every single day for like the whole year to be able to get results. Mm-hmm. In reality, you got to recover from that training to get the results. So if someone is listening, they're like, yeah, I do that. I train like I'm an athlete and I'm not, and I don't take a you know, season off. Like 
how long would you recommend they like make those different phases? Like if they wanted to kind of make their own, you know, like postseason. Yeah. Pre like how that's a huge. It depends. Okay. It's huge. It depends. It really depends on like the like specifically for the postseason phase it really depends on the duration and intensity of the in-season phase like if you just had one competition that you went really hard for okay maybe take the next couple days or next week off probably mm -hmm. fine mm -hmm. if you've been overtraining chronically for years on end probably going to take some time to undo that damage um and what does it look like during that time like what what are they are they still in the gym like that's are we a, doing a lot of neat like what are we doing I think that comes down to the adherence factor mm -hmm. as well. Because, like, in an ideal scenario, in a, someone who's just completely shot recovery-wise, and, like, again, CrossFit athletes are notorious for this, you'd want to have them train less and eat more. But for someone like that, having them do that is extremely scary. Mm -hmm. So typically, you, what I would do is adjust one of those two variables. Like, either have someone train less and keep eating the same amount of calories. That way, they're not in the gym pounding themselves on the ground every single day, but they're they're eating the same amount of food. Or if they still want to train, maybe dial it back a little bit, but still have them in the gym and increase the calories. Mm -hmm. So that way you're taking some stress off from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then from there, once they start to see like, oh wow, I'm actually feeling really good, maybe that creates buy-in and then we can kind of go all in on like just recovery. But I think starting out, just picking your battles there, because like where a lot of coaches, I know, I know I did this all the time, was like trying to build the perfect plan like yeah. for a client when they're not going to stick to it. Um, so understanding what the client is actually going to be able to stick to. And typically we talk about that from a context of like, oh, someone like trying to lose fat, like trying to make it like a diet that they can sustain. Mm -hmm. But also in terms of what we're talking about right now with the whole mm -hmm. recovery thing, it's very difficult for an athlete whose entire identity is based around their ability to perform in that sport to have to not play that sport, not not work yeah. out, not train. And on top of that, eat more and potentially kind of have their body composition suffer. It's like, oh my gosh, like yeah. I'm hiring you to help me look better. Like what are you what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Um, but it's just that's where having the tough conversations and educating is really important. Cause like yeah. if I explain, okay, this is like this is why you need to do this, if yeah. you keep running yourself into the ground, you're just gonna be stuck anyway and you're gonna feel like shit. Yeah. Um but that's where education is really important because if they understand that, then it's a lot more likely that, that they'll stick to the plan and then kind of finding a happy middle ground of what they can actually stick to. So with let's go back to cars for a second. For sure. And like food quality also. So you don't, do you have your clients pay attention to the food quality or is it just getting the macros in? Yes. I okay. can't stand that if it fits your macros, like eat whatever you want. Okay. Like whatever. Yeah, that's true. Like I tell my clients that you can you can eat you can eat whatever you want. You mm -hmm. have the free if you want a piece of cake, you mm -hmm. can have it. Like there's mm -hmm. no judgment in there. If you fit it into your macros, awesome. Um, even if you don't, like mm -hmm. if that happens once in a while, don't stress. But I think it's very important to understand the importance of food quality. Like you see a lot of if if it fits your macros, like quote unquote coaches like toasting pictures of pizza and mm -hmm. ice cream and Oreos and saying like oh, you can eat this and lose weight. Um, I think it's really like, it just kind of, I'm kind of like at a loss for words. I don't really know how to describe it without just going on a rant, but mm -hmm. I think it just sets a really bad frame for people going into it, especially, it's not so much in the athlete space. Like honestly, you don't see a lot of people talking about tracking macros with athletes. Um, but in terms of like the fat loss space, like you don't really show the full picture there. Like, sure, you had the Oreos, but the rest of your day probably looked like a sort of paleo-ish mm -hmm. style approach. Um, plenty of whole quality unprocessed food. Mm -hmm. But the person seeing that post of your Oreos on Instagram thinks like, oh, I can eat that all the time yeah. and fill a macros with whatever I want mm -hmm. and I'm still going to be fine. Mm -hmm. In terms of weight loss, like we talked about, it'll work to an extent, but you're probably going to feel like crap and it's probably just going to stall out eventually and you're going to be left frustrated so yeah. I, I think again like we we're talking about calories versus hormones it's kind of the same thing food quality and food quantity both are really important if you're eating the healthiest food in the world but you have no idea how much you're eating you're leaving a lot of results on the table and you're yeah. probably going to get stuck if you're tracking your food quantity diligently but you're eating a bunch of shitty food then you're going to get stuck as well at some point. Yeah. An approach that kind of melds the two and like actually like 
accounts for both of those things and allows for flexibility, but also understands and educates on the importance of food quality. That's where you're going to be successful. And that's kind of what I try to do and what yeah. the message I try to get across. Yeah. Because like macros is just a tool for us to make sure you're eating the right amount of food. It's not a free pass to eat whatever you want whenever you want to. Um, you Again, you can, but again, I keep saying education over and over again, but if you're educated on like, okay, this food might taste really good, but it's going to make me feel like crap and I'm not mm-hmm. going to perform very well. Probably going to go with the other higher quality food Yeah, and kind of teaching people that way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't connect, especially like the day, the way they feel the day after with what they ate yesterday. And I'm like, yeah, dude, from dinner last night, yeah. I, I feel it today. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> What'd you guys have? Um, what didn't we have? Um, it was like a steak and like dessert was insane. It's like uh, this like s'mores, like ice cream thing oh shit, and yeah. like donuts and I'd chocolate sauce. Yeah. 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 And uh, I like don't sit well with dairy or gluten. Uh-huh. So I'm just. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, and then also kind of what you're talking about before, like people doing like, if it fits your macros. Um, and if you ha- like, okay, you could eat a pizza, right? Maybe that fits your macros, but like, yeah. you're also still going to be hungry. Like, there's the whole satiety factor. For sure. Like, I would rather eat a ton of volume and eat more, like, vegetables and, like, lean proteins rather than eat, like, way less volume for, like, a dessert that's way mm-hmm. more calories. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not going to be satiated off that. Yeah. And it was pretty crazy. Like, I – it had been a while since I kind of experienced that. But when I, I went to Italy, like, two weeks ago mm-hmm. and, like, pasta and pizza literally every single meal, that breakfast, that'd be kind of weird. But, like, yeah, it doesn't fill you up yeah like you're still hungry yeah like you, i probably ate like a 1500 calorie meal mm-hmm. and like i felt like i could have more after yeah and i think that's a really important thing too like yeah you're gonna f- probably not feel the best and you're gonna be hungry because it doesn't fill you up because yeah. it doesn't have a ton of fiber or protein or yeah. stuff like that it's actually gonna fill you up so tell me about how you manipulate nutrition for satiety on both sides of the spectrum so like we can start first with like people who need who are in a calorie deficit mm-hmm. who need to feel more satiated and then move into people who need more calories and they're just like, I'm so full, I can't keep eating. So let's yeah. start with you're in a deficit. Yeah, so if you're in a deficit, definitely higher volume foods like plenty of vegetables and like things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's one of the reasons why we tend to increase protein when mm-hmm. you're in a deficit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to help you maintain muscle, but it's also going to help keep you satiated and full. Because if you try to overeat chicken breast, you're going to have a really difficult time. You're not going to be able to do it. Especially if it's dry. <laughs> which it always is. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. So um, higher protein foods, and tip- that's why it's reflected in the macro prescription typically when I work with people. What's the uh, highest you would take someone's protein? Past like 1.2 grams per pound, you don't really see much more benefit in terms of in terms of everything in terms of satiety and stuff like that okay. um some people go insanely high like 300 plus grams of protein that just wreck, wreaks havoc on your digestive system you don't have to go that high either like honestly if you're in a deficit and mm-hmm. you want to eat 0.8 grams per pound cool if you can stick to that whatever like mm-hmm. that's totally fine um but i would say 1.2 is kind of like the upper limit of what's like practical and helpful for most people because after that it just becomes a chore like you're not going to harm yourself really but it's just very difficult to Mm. eat that much protein on a daily basis Uh, people already struggle to eat one gram per pound as it is and then in terms of satiety during a deficit definitely watching liquid calories Uh like if you're having a frappuccino every morning for (laughs) breakfast like that's not going to keep you satiated that's like 600 plus calories and like that's why i don't understand the whole smoothie for weight loss thing i'm like <laughs> if i drink a smoothie i'm immediately hungry still yeah maybe i am yeah, like is that just me and that's but... one of, that's one of the tricks i use like we'll talk about in a second uh-huh. for people that are trying to gain yeah trying to gain mass or need to eat a ton of calories like mm-hmm. smoothies are great for that when you're in a deficit probably not a great idea um so definitely watching liquid calories one understanding like they have calories like mm-hmm. liquids just because they're liquid doesn't mean they don't have calories unless it's water unless it's water oh, yeah. yeah 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 um and like understanding it's not going to keep you satiated other than that do you let's say someone's protein is at 1.2 and they're mm-hmm. still like i'm dealing with hunger would you like tell them to emphasize more of the carbs or the fat or does it just depend i think just from there, I would look at fiber intake mm. and then kind of see where that's at. Like okay. if they're super low on that and they're probably not eating a lot of high volume foods, um, that would be the next place I would go. 
And then I think it's also really important to understand that during a deficit, you're probably going to be hungry. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not something to be afraid of. It's probably a good sign. Like Mm -hmm. if we're taking you into a relatively aggressive deficit and you're not hungry, something's probably up. It's probably not a great sign. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's okay to be hungry. I think that's another really... How do you get people through that mental... You kind of frame it as if like it's working. Mm. Like if you're hungry, like it means it's working. Now you shouldn't be starving. It shouldn't be like those like starvation diet Mm -hmm. things. But if you're a little bit hungry, that's totally fine. Um, But yeah, I think those would be like the main things. Higher protein, higher fiber, just Mm -hmm. higher volume foods Mm -hmm. and kind of watching uh, liquids. And also like looking at other healthy foods mm-hmm. that are very calorie dense, being mm-hmm. aware of that, like peanut butter is like notorious for this. People just yeah, like, or almond butter, nut, like nuts. Yeah. yeah. Like a handful of nuts, like that could be like 500 calories right yeah. there. And you don't, you don't know yeah. it and yeah. it's not going to satiate you. It's super healthy. There are yeah. plenty of nutrients in there. Like awesome. But mm-hmm. it's going to make it difficult to stick to your numbers. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, this is like not really your demo. Yeah. Um, but I find that a lot with a lot of the clients I work with. Like, they'll be like, I don't know why I'm binging on nut butter. And, like, I can't yeah. lose weight. And I'm like, because you ate, like, 200 calories during the day. And yeah. then you open And this is butter. where, like, weighing out your food is very helpful. Yeah. Like, again, like, for me, tracking macros is a tool. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't be something you do forever. Mm-hmm. At least for most people. If you really enjoy it, mm-hmm. then cool. That kind of comes back to the adherence thing. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be something that you feel like you have to do forever. Yeah. But... An example of why you should do it is the nut butter scenario. Yeah. Like one tablespoon of nut butter, if you weigh it out, I guarantee it's a lot less yeah. than what you think is a tablespoon. Yeah. Just be aware. I think awareness. Yeah. Awareness. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's just finish up with the other side of the spectrum. So yeah. someone needs to increase calories and they're like, I'm so full. Like, how do I get in more food? What are your tricks? Uh, like we talked about liquid calories for sure. Like shakes mm-hmm. are super, super helpful. Like I fit like 1200 calories into a shake one time, probably fit more in if you really had to. And then what are you putting in there like nut butter and shit. Yeah. Nut okay. butter, uh, protein powder, uh-huh. like almond milk or regular milk. If you tolerate it, whatever uh-huh. it's up to you. Um, what an ingredient that I use that like, I've not really heard people talk about is white rice. It actually works really well. You put that in smoothies? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. That's pretty smart. Yeah, no, it's smart. It doesn't change the taste. Uh-huh. Like a lot of people will use oats, uh-huh. but like oats are fine, but they're not as calorie dense. They're not as carb dense. And if you have if, like to get the same amount of carbs from oats that you would from white rice, uh-huh. your stomach is going to hate you. Mm-hmm. So instead, I just use white rice that helps get a ton of carbs in, yeah. extra calories, and it doesn't change the taste. Do you freeze it first? or do you Yeah, it'll like... be it'll be like leftover from okay. the night before. Like, okay. yeah, if you put warm, so you that's weird. Like, well, no, I, but I was like, so do you do like just like from the fridge, or yeah. like is it frozen? Or... It's just from the fridge. Oh. I'll put a couple ice cubes in there. Just to that's so smart. Wow. Yeah, you're the first person that's actually like been a fan of that idea. Why? I think that's Every, genius. Everyone just looks at me like I'm crazy, like that sounds gross i'm gonna start using that no oh go. please i think dirt tastes good so <laughs> no i it's like neutral it's like putting cauliflower in your yeah. smoothie do you know what i mean i've never done that before you don't i guess i'll, I'll have to try that if you try the white rice yeah, i'll try that the, and let you know how but it that's goes. for like you know people who aren't trying to ink it's like a good low calorie way to yeah, increase I see volume and it makes it super thick for okay. cauliflower uh it's just neutral it tastes like yeah, nothing it, it doesn't taste like anything yeah. so wow. i'll use that that's where pretty big chunk of calories come from mm-hmm. um like said nut butters uh some sort of fruit like i'll put bananas and like some frozen berries in there mm-hmm. you're not gonna need a ton of calories but just again food quality is super important so that mm-hmm. can be a good way to get antioxidants and then mm-hmm. from there just whatever else you need to get the calories like if you want to go with like some fancier stuff like chia seeds or whatever yeah and like that sort of stuff you don't feel like you have to but yeah. um and then just scale the ingredients up or down as needed to hit mm-hmm. your calorie goals yeah, that's when the nut butter comes in handy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so wow, that just blew my mind. I can't believe I've never. Thought I'm actually of that. really happy that that like usually I'm kind of like ah, do I want to say this like, oh, on no. a podcast because like really people are gonna weird think I'm a weirdo. Here. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's not the weirdest thing that's happened. Um, okay, I love that idea. Okay, so oh, I also want to ask: Do you find that like the what the someone's breakfast sets them off to be hungry like hungrier or less i think that's a really big it depends okay like some people don't like for an athlete like Mm -hmm. we're talking athlete i would probably recommend breakfast just because it's going to help you hit your Mm -hmm. calorie goal but i mean like in terms of like macros like i feel like some people find if they i think a higher fat 
uh-huh. moderate protein, lower carb breakfast mm-hmm. is probably the best call. If you're training in the morning, probably not the best call because you mm-hmm. want to get the carbs in. Mm-hmm. But if you're training in the afternoon or evening, I think that's a really good call to mm-hmm. kind of not get a huge spike early in the morning. Okay. And, and that could be a way where if you're eating plenty of carbs, you kind of salvage some insulin sensitivity and kind of mm-hmm. manage that a little bit better. Um, and from a mental clarity standpoint, a lot of people tend to feel really good on that. Um, but again, adherence is important. So if someone wants to have a coffee and like a croissant and they're first getting started, cool, like go for it. Um, I'm going to say no. You can it, say that. Is it, <laughs> it, that's a big, it depends to you. Uh-huh. Like looking at the rest of their scenario, yeah. like just making, like getting small wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically like at least make sure to get a protein source in there. Yeah. Um, the carb to fat ratio, you can play with that. It's mm-hmm. not super, super important. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So final thing, is there any, like, what do you think is like the most common mistake you see like athletes making when it comes to their nutrition? Hands down under eating. Really? 100%. Because especially like, like in athletes, you feel like, especially if you're not tracking, you're eating healthy. Because like we talked about, higher fiber foods, higher protein foods Mm -hmm. tend to be satiating, but Mm -hmm. they're not calorie dense. So you might think you're super full, you're stuffing yourself all the time. Yeah but you're not eating that many calories. Yeah. Like this is why that tracking for a couple of days before you even make any adjustments or even build a prescription is mm-hmm. really, really important because mm-hmm. that creates the awareness around where you're at. And then you can go from there. Like for example, one, like I keep saying CrossFit athletes, I promise I'm not throwing you guys <laughs> under the bus, but it's just super common. Yeah. Um, like I, I had her track and she was eating like 1500 calories. She should have been eating like upwards of 25 mm-hmm. plus hundred. Yeah, that's but she thought she difference. was eating. Yeah, she thought she was eating plenty. Yeah. So that's where um, that's probably the, the biggest mistake I see. And the cool thing with that is, as soon as you start eating enough, you immediately feel it. Yeah, it's you feel it's so much it's not like a like fat loss or muscle gain where it just takes time and you got to stay consistent. As as a coach, you're constantly saying, "Just trust me, it's mm-hmm. working." When you start eating enough as an athlete, you feel it pretty much right away uh, in most cases. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. And for really anyone looking to get stronger, Mm -hmm. just any athletes listening, like that's that would be the number one thing to look at. Yeah. Got to eat the food. Again, it's awareness. A lot of people just aren't aware of what they're eating. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking about all these things and answering my annoying questions. No, they're good um, questions. I really, I feel like I should call this episode, put white rice in your smoothie. Um, <laughs> no one's going to, no either everyone's going to listen to it or no one's going to listen to it. I think it. everyone will listen to it. We'll see. We'll see. Probably, I probably won't, but I want to, but tell everyone where they can find more from you. Yeah. So probably the best place to find me is uh, on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active on mm-hmm. social media. I, I post on Facebook, but I'm, I'm not super active on there. No one um, is. <laughs> Thank, yeah. yeah, I know. Um, it's kind of like, I, I just copy from Instagram, put it on Facebook, yeah. just call it there. Yeah. But Instagram is probably the best way, best way to find me. I have my own podcast. You were a guest on it. So mm-hmm. definitely anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, uh, mm-hmm. check it out. Um, I drop three podcast episodes a week and then I also do a blog and I'm starting up like a YouTube channel type thing. That's very, very kind of rough. So mm-hmm. maybe don't check that out just yet. Mm-hmm. But um, best place to find me overall is Instagram. Then I also have a free ebook that I put together that pretty much like all the principles we talked about mm-hmm. breaks it down and tells people exactly how to implement it. Like if you can't afford coaching or whatever, like this is kind of how you would go about implementing those principles. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell people your handle though. Yeah. Good call. And um, the name of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so my handle is T Clark nutrition. Uh-huh. Um, super simple. And then my podcast is the T Clark nutrition podcast. So creative. So, I know I got to really eventually we'll get to the rebranding side of things, but, um, but it's keeping it simple. All right. Love it. Thank you, Tommy. Of course. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on the podcast and dropping some knowledge about nutrition for performance. If you want to connect more with Tommy, just go to Instagram and follow him at T Clark nutrition and also check out his podcast, the T Clark nutrition podcast me on that show on episode 101 if you enjoyed the episode make sure you let tommy know share it on social media and tag me tag tommy tag wellness Wellness podcast and make sure you send it to anyone who you think would find it helpful if you're not already in our facebook group wellness wellness podcast drive i would love to have you join so you can connect with other listeners and we can start up a conversation just search on facebook and you will find us and i'll add you in and if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to leave a 
rating and review on iTunes. That seriously means so much to me and helps other people find the show. And I would so, so appreciate it. So I hope you have a great Halloween. Have an awesome rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Don't get too crazy. I know it's Halloween. Stay safe, kids. I'm rooting for you. I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.